0: Most of me doubted me, like most of me thought I was going to fail and rightfully so based on my, my past. But there was a small part of me that just had, had, like, had grabbed onto this sense of belief that I had been able to develop in jail to where it was like, I just knew that the only shot that I had of making it was to be relentless about becoming a better version of myself like doing the things I knew I sh- I needed to do on a daily basis, like hanging out with the right people, never stop uh, believing in myself and like having this, like whatever it takes mentality. And it would at least give me a shot.
1: Hey, it's Emily here. You know that uniqueness you have? I call it the it factor. Every now and again, you hear a story that literally shakes you to the core. And when I heard and met Doug Boast, I completely was excited. I was excited because this is a man here with me today that went from being at complete and total rock bottom, being a convicted felon, to struggling with drugs, to now a world leading fitness coach. He's an inspiration. He's been all over the place. He has a documentary. He has a podcast and he is on a mission, a real mission to change people's lives. So today we're going to dive into his story and learn about his tips and tricks for becoming a healthy person. Doug, thank you for being here.
0: Emily, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited you're here, and I cannot wait for everyone to hear your story. Likewise. I mean, it's an honor, and I think what you've accomplished is quite inspirational as well. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us all about yourself. So, it's crazy that today I host a podcast called The Adversity Advantage. I'm an award-winning personal trainer. I've written three books. And the reason that I say that is because not long ago, my life was in complete shambles. I, in fact, used adversity to my complete disadvantage. And back in 2008, I was hopeless. I was in the depths of despair. I was incarcerated on felony drug charges, and I thought my life was over. And just to give people an idea of what life was like back then for me, I was 21 years old when I was incarcerated. I had 21 jobs at the time I was 21. I had thoughts of suicide. I had a three, 400 milligram a day Oxycontin habit. I was snorting cocaine. I was selling a ton of pot. Um, I didn't have a girlfriend like all through grade school. I broke in relationships. You can just imagine like where I was in that moment in my life. And I never thought I'd be where I am today. Mm. And what's really, really fascinating is this, is the day I walked into the detention center where I served time, I cried because I didn't want to go in. And the day I left, I cried because I didn't want to leave, and here's why. So when I first walked through the gates at the Hartford County Detention Center, I was crying, I was fearful, I was anxious. I was like fueled with nothing but uncertainty, anger, and sadness because of what was about to happen. And then on top of all that, I had this horrific opiate addiction to kick. So the first few weeks I was in there was spent – detoxing from Oxycontin, which felt like having the worst case of the flu possible. I would
1: imagine.
0: Yeah, all kinds of uncontrollable bowel movements, vomiting, shaking, tons of pain. Um, I feel like I was trying to leave my body, crawl outside of myself, tons of anxiety, sleepless nights. And my soon-to-be cellmate was sitting there at the Scrabble table playing Scrabble, and he could just tell like I wasn't as confident as I am today. My shoulders are rounded forward, I talk kind of quiet. How old were you at this point? I was 21. Okay. And he was like you're going to start working out with me when you get through your detox. And I'm like, dude, no way. Like if you see me, I could have been a model for Pillsbury at the time. Oh my god. And and so shortly after that, I saw him work out for himself and just to give people an idea, he looked like a more jacked version of Brad Pitt from fight club. Okay. okay. So this guy was here for this. Yeah. This guy was shredded. Right. And later on, like I said, I saw him work out for himself and he was doing thousands of push ups, hundreds of pull-ups running all through the the common area of the gym. I was like, who is this guy? I've been a personal trainer now for over 11 years. And to this day, he is still one of the fittest people I've ever met. And shortly after that, we were just sitting in the cell and he was like, like, what, what, what got you here? He's like, you know, what happened? Yeah. Asking me more about my story. And I said, man, my parents got divorced and it was a rough divorce. And then my um, my friends, you know, picked on me a lot and I was bullied a lot in school. I was rejected by a lot of girls mm. throughout grade school, never had a girlfriend. I was cut from all the sports teams. I had all these insecurities and, and that's how I dealt with it. And he was like, quit being a bitch. Can I cuss on here? Yeah, of okay, course. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure? <laughs> All right. He said. He said, "Quit being a bitch." Uh huh. And I looked at him and was like, "Well, like, what do you mean?" Like, because you know, in that moment, like any moment like that, when we go through things in life where we're having a hard time and we've done some things we yeah. wish we wouldn't have done, like we're always kind of, in many ways, looking to be coddled, like getting yeah, that validation, yeah, and yeah. trying to be told what we want to hear and said what mm-hmm. we needed to hear. And he mm-hmm. told me what I needed to hear, and he's like. There's plenty of people in your circumstances. There's plenty of people whose parents got divorced. There's plenty of people who were picked on. There's plenty of people who didn't make the sports teams they want and and go on and on and on who aren't in jail. Right, Doug? And I'm like, yep. He was like, you have two choices. You can be a man, look yourself in the mirror, and say, you got yourself here. And it's up to you to make the decisions and choices to get yourself out of this. Or you can go be a bitch, cry in the corner, and say, woe is me, and – Blame everybody else for your problems. Like most people will do that, and I felt Emily for the first time in my life. I felt like empowered because I had this mm-hmm. guy who didn't really have any skin in the game as far as my life. Yeah. You know, he showed me this this sense of unconditional like love, care, mm-hmm. and kindness that I maybe wasn't used to. And I also had obviously started to get a lot of the drugs out of my system, and I was starting to think a bit more clearly. And I was like, you know what? Like clearly, I don't know what I'm doing, and I think right. he's right. So I, I decided to take him up on his offer and give exercise a try.: So is this in jail?: so This is all in jail.: Okay. Oh my gosh. Yes.
1: So, wow. So before jail, okay, so, and I was watching this on the Today Show, you got pulled over, right?:
0: Yes. Yeah, so what led to me going to jail? Yeah, was I, I was just on the run making a slew of bad decisions when I was 20 years old. Um, like I said, I had this horrific opiate addiction, I was selling tons of pot, um, I was just bouncing from job to job, damaged relationships with my family, completely hopeless, and just really not wanting to live anywhere. Because at the time, we, I buried several of my friends in my friend group. Like It wasn't um, like anything weird to go to a funeral when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Like I ran around with a pretty rough crowd. So I had gotten used to this idea that there was a chance that I wasn't going to make it past twenty-five. There was a chance that my parents were going to be coming to my funeral. Like there was, there was a big chance of that. Where was this? In Maryland. In Maryland. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so Cinco de Mayo, two thousand eight, which I thought was going to be like one of the biggest setbacks ever in my life, ended up becoming like one of the greatest miracles in my life because. It was Cinco de Mayo, one of the biggest drinking holidays of the year, which of course, like I was oblivious to, because all you care about when you're doing drugs is who you're getting high with, you know, who you have to sell it to to make your money back, um, who you're going to scheme to try to get some extra drugs, what you're going to listen to afterwards, um, you know, what you're going to eat afterwards, who you're going to spend time like all the things. It almost becomes like this religion. It's so crazy and weird, right? Yeah. And so my mind was not on the fact that it was his biggest drinking holiday of the year. And also that I had a busted headlight that I'd been meaning to fix. But because of the religion of my uh, addiction, um, that, of course, was not at top of mind either. And there was a cop running radar that night. And I flashed my high beams at him. I was on my, way, on my way to make a drug deal. Flashed my high beams at this cop thinking that it would mask the fact that I had a busted headlight. But of course, it just gave this guy a reason to pull me over. And my heart, Emily, sat or uh, sunk to the pit of my stomach. And I, and I thought my life was over because I see him put his, his lights on to pull me over, and I have a half a pound of uh, marijuana in the trunk. Oh, my. So you were on your way to make a drug deal? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. A couple thousand dollars of cash in the glove box. And all I could think about was like, man, like, this is it. Like, it's over. Like, I am an idiot. Like, I can't believe I'm, I've done this. Like, what are my parents going to say? Like, what are the pe- my friends who truly cared about me going to say about mm-hmm. this? Like, like, what am I going to do? So, cop pulls me over. I stammer to get my license out of my wallet, get the registration out of my glove box. I'm trying to, like, hide the fact that I have, like, a ton of money in the glove box. One thing leads to the next. He pulls me out of the car, searches it, and finds everything. Puts me in handcuffs. And I'm sitting in the back of this cop car and I don't know if anybody who's watching this, listening to this, I don't know if anybody like yourself has like been in a moment Hmm. where you're in this super dark place yeah, and everything comes to a head and you're like, how did I get here? Hmm. How did the kid who just wanted to be loved, how did the kid who just wanted to be good at sports, how did the kid who just wanted a girlfriend, like how did this kid who wanted all these things, like how is he in the back of this cop car in a ton of trouble facing felony drug charges and it just came back to my inability to deal with stress my yeah. inability to cope with pain my inability to deal with my anxiety and that's in, in a nutshell like why i was in the back of this cop car so i got taken to jail and charged with the felony with possession with intent to distribute marijuana yeah and this was in like again in may of 2008 a few months later it's september i go to court and the judge in my mind, like threw the book at me, he, he looked at me and he was like, Doug, I'm sentencing you to five years in, in jail, but everything's going to be suspended but 90 days. Meaning if I failed a drug test, yeah. if I missed a probation appointment, if I like got into a fight, if I did anything to violate the terms of parole and pro- probation, I could potentially serve the full five years. So then he slapped on five years probation, 200 hours community service, all kinds of all kinds of fines and drug classes. But he looked at me, he's like, Doug, you're young, you're 20 years old. This felony conviction is going to haunt you the rest of your life. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm like, deal? I'm like, After what you just told me, like, where's the deal? He's like, when you get done your probation, your five years of probation, if you complete everything without messing up, I'll take the felony conviction off of your record and give you a PBJ. And in that moment... I was like, all right, 2008, isn't yeah. the world supposed to end in 2012? Cause remember that was, that was a rumor back then. Right. I'm like, I buried several of my friends. Like I said, um, in the past I was high in court. I was going to get high when I left. I was like, all right, man, like, I don't think I'm going to ever do this. I had no faith in myself, but I'll yeah. just take the deal. And so he gave me a few weeks to kind of gather my belongings and, um, like keep up with some of the stuff I had to do at home before i um, reporting to jail. And oh, have, wow. So you had a couple of weeks to just be like, I'm going to jail. and Yeah. And it was like one last hurrah. It was, like I got to celebrate my 21st birthday. So did you go like live it up? Yeah. I went ham. Wow. Cause I was like, this is it. Like I'm, this is, I'm going to jail and I'm odds are uh, I'm hopefully never going to do drugs again. Right. I and mean, that was the hope, right? Yeah. Um, what did your parents say at this point? So my parents and I always kind of had a, a, a kind of a damaged relationship, if you will, yeah. because of the divorce. And it was a rough divorce yeah. and they didn't really communicate too much. Yeah. And we split time, which is pretty traditional in a divorce home where I would live with my mom half the time, my dad half the time. And I was much closer to my mom. Mm. I just, she just, I just had a closer relationship yeah. with her. My dad and I never really saw eye to eye. Yeah. And because of a couple bad decisions, when I was a young teenager, I actually got kicked out of her house on my 16th birthday. I had a party while she was in the hospital when I yeah. was 15 And then on my 16th birthday, I began you know, by that point to sell some some pot to support my habit. And she caught me weighing out some pot to sell to my neighbor. And she was just distraught and really didn't know what to do with me because she had seen some other signs of me just being kind of reckless Mm -hmm. in my behavior Mm -hmm. to where she thought she could give me a fresh start, kick me out, go live with my dad who lived 30 minutes away, change schools, change friends, change my environment. And in reality what it did was it gave me more pain, more trauma, because now I feel abandoned. Now right. I'm like, man, like, how could you do this to me? Yeah. Like, I need you right now. And it just led to more destruction, more self-sabotage, and more uncertainty for me.
1: Right. Do you think in the moment when you got pulled over, and then when you're in court, and they're like, we're gonna take you? Was there any part of you that was like, I'm kind of grateful for this or were you scared shitless? Like, be honest.
0: I was scared. Yeah. You know, it's easy now to sit back and say, yeah, like, that made me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going right. to tell right. people that, yeah. Like, yeah, like when you're going through something hard, like right. remember it's happening for you and not to you. And I'm yeah. not saying that that's not yeah. true. It yeah. definitely is. But when people are in the thick yeah. of that, they don't feel like, at yeah. least in my experience, you're not really thinking about that. You're no. just, you're, you got tunnel vision. You're thinking about yeah. what's in front of you. You're in survival mode, like right. all these fears, uncertainties, like come to a head. You're pan. I was panicking because I like kind of heard like horror stories or what, like what you would read about, like what happened in jail. Right. I was the kid who was completely overweight, unathletic, like couldn't run. So I was like, how is, how am I going to last right in jail? And then I, you know, was going to be a convicted felon. And I had obviously at that point in 2008, it was much more stigmatized. You know, Mm -hmm. there hasn't been as much progressiveness on that side of things, you know, there wasn't that much progressiveness back then. So I was like, this is going to ruin me. Right. Like I'm going to be working at like a fast food restaurant the rest of my life. Yeah. So how long were you in jail? So my sentence, like the the time that I was sentenced was 90 days, but with good behavior, they give you like, gave me like five days off a month of my sentence. For every month I had good behavior and then I got a job in there eventually, like halfway through, I think, where you like wipe down tables and they give me some more time off. But that those seventy something days that I ended up spending in there all in all, like really saved my life. Yeah. Because like I said, I had that heart to heart with my cellmate in the cell. What was his name? Eric. Okay. So do you still talk
1: to him today or do you have a relationship or how, how did that play out?
0: So it's, it's kind of hard now. I mean, for me to kind of talk about it, but he passed away a few months ago and his family had actually reached out to me and had really, I guess, thanked me for sharing this story because it shed like such a good light on a part of him that maybe some people didn't get to understand or hear as much because he spent a lot of his life behind bars and they reached out. They're like, we want you to speak at his funeral. Oh, so I went and spoke at his funeral and, um, That's and it was very heartwarming for me to like yeah. meet his family and people had bought like one of the books, my first book that I wrote where I talked a lot about him. And, you know, you never think that something like this, like getting on a podcast like this or some of the other stuff I've done is going to trickle down like that, and have the domino effect. Like I think a lot of times people, they get on these shows and they, and they can sometimes I think be. Self-centered in a way where they're just about them and they're not thinking about like, well, how much of an impact can this have not only on people listening to this, yeah. but somebody else's family or you know maybe it's a counselor at a school that of maybe course. has lost hope in, in their school or yeah, and they hear a story like this and they're like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. there's hope. Like if this kid who went to this school and went through this can get out of it, like some of my kids. So I can go on and on with these yeah. examples. Yeah, and that that conversation that he had with me has gotten me through. Like every hard time I've been faced with since then, whether it was the last few years, whether it was a breakup, whether it was times where my business wasn't moving the way I wanted it to, whether it was times where I needed to make better decisions personally, whatever it was, I I I, I understood the importance of not being a victim. Yeah, because I think that can it can feel so good in that moment. Right, but it gets you nowhere. Yeah. It really does. Oh, nowhere. I
1: call it nowhere land. It's like with your blaming and complaining and justifying, you can do it all day long. And I can really relate even, you know, to when I started my journey of just rock bottom, you know, and it was like, woe is me. And you could live in that, but you have to decide to use all that junk and turn it into something great, which you clearly have. Now, when you were in jail and you were going through this and so, how, what changed in your head to be like, I want to get fit and healthy and really like what th- that's what I'm obsessed with because you went from like, you know, being a drug addict to healing yourself. Like, what did that look like? And let's talk real talk because it's like me pursuing my faith. Some days it's easy and some days it's hard. Right. Right. So, what did that look like when you made that decision after he kicked you in the. In the tush, <laughs> what did that really look like for
0: you? I mean, I think I look back now at like everything I've been able to accomplish. And it's just been these series of small wins and stacking those small wins mm-hmm. on top of each other. Because I believe like your ability to build self-confidence mm-hmm. comes with your ability to face things that you're afraid of, face mm-hmm. your fears, and, and accomplish things that you never thought you could. And here's what I mean by that. So after we had this conversation, I felt empowered. I felt excited. I felt like, man, like this guy believes in me when I don't even believe in myself. Like this guy believes in me when I'm falling apart. This guy believes in me when people in my family aren't like there's something to it. So I just decided to take him up on his offer and give exercise a try because again, I saw like how fit he was because when I was a kid, it's funny. Like if you would ask me, Doug, like what would you want if I could, if I was like a genie could grant me three wishes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll stop using drugs and you'll turn your life around. What would it be? And it would be like to date a hot chick, have a six pack. <laughs> be honest, and yeah. Run, yeah, and yeah I love money. it. Yeah, like, that's what I thought was going to lead right. to ultimate happen- happiness, and we all know that that doesn't. I mean, it definitely you need you know obviously you want to be in a relationship with somebody that brings the best out of you and somebody you're attracted to and you want to keep yourself physically fit and you want to be financially like independent but that's not going to ultimately create you know happiness forever right, right. And, and so i saw this guy and i was like man like i want to be like him so i got down to do a push up i'm like all right i can do at least like one push up collapsed in front of all these grown men i'm like
1: damn i'm like imagining you yeah. in jail right oh, now no. <laughs> and you're 20
0: years old 21 yeah you 21 yeah. Wow. I collapse. And then I go to try to do one for my knees and I collapse. And I'm like, Eric, like, why can't I do a push-up? pushup? He's like, cause you're fat. I hated that word. I hated uh, the word yeah. fat. Yeah. And he was like, Doug, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He's like, you got belly fat, your core's weak. You don't have any upper body strength, so You can't support yourself to hold yourself up. So you're going to collapse every time you try to go down. And on top of that, I was smoking like a pack to a pack and a half of cigarettes a day. So I could barely walk up and down the steps that were there that were like, you know, there was like, you know, cells on one floor and then cells on the bottom floor. And with his motivation and encouragement, we, we set some goals and he was like, what do you want to accomplish by the time you leave here? And I was like, I want to be able to do a set of 10 push push-ups," which seemed crazy at the time. That that seemed like, like me, like climbing Mount Everest, you know what I mean? Like there's no way this is going to happen. Yeah. And to run a mile by the time I left that sentence, And it just started with these small wins, Emily. Like I was finally able to do like a push-up, one push-up. And then I was like, man, like I never thought I could do one push-up. Well, let's try two and then let's do three. And then I slowly built myself up to doing that set of 10 Mm -hmm. push-ups I never thought I could. The same with running. It started with just like walking laps in the common area. And what I would do and what I found is that I think pain, there's a lever with pain. And I think a lot of times with pain, we turn the lever down and make it worse by – substances, um, external validation, mm-hmm. spending money on things we shouldn't, um, drama, mm-hmm. like all these things uh, yeah. that can, we can use pain, um, in a negative way. But I think pain also can have an, a lever that can kind of lift you up a little bit where yeah. you can channel a lot of that dark stuff into something positive. And That's I think right. if you can yeah. like tap into that, and yes. get into the dark side of pain, yes. it's like game over. And for me, I would walk laps and I would think about like all the mistakes I made and I would like kind of start to process it. I would think about the people who doubted me. I would think about like how much better I was going to look so that I could finally like t- tell those girls I told you so or I uh, tell my friends yeah. I told you so. Yeah. And then I started to also change the way I talked to myself because when I first got in there it was like I'm a failure. I'm a piece of shit. I'm yeah. a fuck up. I'm never uh, going to achieve anything. But then it was like I believe in myself. I can do this. I'm going to be strong for today. I'm going to be relentless. And I started to just change the way I walk, change the way I talked to myself. And it was a process. It wasn't like it was like I snapped myself right. out of it and it was like immediate. Right. It was a daily thing. And then eventually I was able to run that mile. And I felt like for the first time in my life, I was ready to stop using drugs and ready to transform my life. And it wasn't the push-ups and the sit-ups and the running that necessarily did. It was how they made me feel. It was this ability to finally get comfortable being uncomfortable was finally being disciplined and doing the things I knew I should have been doing all along. It was this ability to, you know, reestablish how I dealt with pain, like reconnecting like behavior, uh, or to emotion, like reattaching how I dealt with it. Cause for the longest time when I was depressed, stressed or anxious, it was just, I'm going to numb myself out with drugs. Yeah. And now I learned that exercise And doing things positive for my health and my body can be this new tool to change my life.
1: So what I'm picturing, I just want to know, like, I'm envisioning this whole thing. Like, I'm imagining you on a track. (laughs) I'm imagining you with a bunch of cellmates and these big tatted out guys. (laughs) And you're this young lad. So what was it like when they're like, you get to leave and they open the door and it's like, I just imagine the light coming (laughs) out. You know, it's totally in a movie. I'm, pictu- I'm picturing this, but what was that really like? Like, were you like empowered to go out there and like crush life, or were you like, I am scared now?
0: It was bittersweet, okay. Because you know, obviously, like, I'm play- replaying that song, I'm walking on sunshine in my head. You yeah. know, as I'm getting ready to leave, but there was also a lot of emotional um, transformations that happened inside of that jail. Wow, and up until that point. I had proven to myself that I couldn't live life without drugs. The only time I was able to abstain from abusing drugs was when I was in jail. Mm. And I also had the help of my cellmate, like kind of holding me accountable, guiding me along throughout my time in there, which I wow. wasn't going to have when I left. And I remember the day I left, I mean, obviously I was scared and um, had a lot of uncertainty it was like, am I going to make it? But Alongside of that, I had I had to tap into this level of like blind faith Mm. to where like most of me doubted me, like most of me thought I was going to fail, and rightfully so based on my my past. But there was a small part of me that just had had like I grabbed onto this sense of belief that I had been able to develop in jail to where it was like I just knew that the only shot that I had of making it was to be relentless about becoming a better version of myself. Mm like doing the things I knew I, sh- I needed to do on a daily basis, like hanging out with the right people never stop uh, believing in myself and like having this, like whatever it takes mentality. And it would at least give me a shot yeah. to stay in the game long enough. And I looked at my cellmate and I was like, man, like, like how can I ever repay you? Like I cry. I was in tears. And he said, don't mess up and pay it forward. And back then, like I didn't know what pay wow. it forward meant. Like I never met, I'd never read a personal development yeah. book. Like yeah. none of that, like was going yeah. through my mind at right. all. And he gave me a workout plan that I still have framed in my place today. So I never forget where I came from. And then I got out and was just on this mission to continue changing my life through fitness. Wow. And using that as a catalyst to change other areas of my life. Wow. So
1: when you got out, like, did you have your old friends being like, hey, Doug, you want to like chill? Like, was there any of that? I mean, I got to imagine like you shifted your identity, you've shifted your physical fitness, you've shifted your heart set, your mindset, all the things. So what the heck, like going, like, did you go home, obviously, because you didn't have a job. So did you go live with your mom? Mm -hmm. Were you like, I'm going to be a trainer? Like, how did all that evolve? And then how did you fight off? I call them demons, you can call them whatever you want. But like, it's like you're going into the new, but you're fighting the old. Like, what did that really look like? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that listen to this show that they so badly want to move forward in their life. They so badly want to get out of that abusive relationship. They so badly want to follow their dreams, but they are being sucked into the old constantly.
0: I think the one thing that was instrumental in jail outside of um, like all the fitness and everything that my cellmate taught me when I was in there was... I was fully naked spiritually, mentally, and emotionally and like raw for the first time in my life where I wasn't. Cause I think what happens is if we don't establish our own identity, we will like use other people's identity to create our own identity. Right. That's true. Right. Yeah. And I did a lot of that. So the, yeah. so the mask of trying to fit in with my friends was off the mask of social media was off the mask of addiction was all these masks that I've been wearing for the longest time, we're now off. And I was just purely naked with myself and and got a chance to do a lot of thinking about what I wanted in life, or the mistakes I had made, or the types of people I wanted to spend time with, or, or even like, how I could have been a better human, like to other people. And so I got out, um, I actually moved in with my grandparents who to this day are still like, um, some of my best friends, my saving grace, I see them a lot. And they gave me what I needed, which was accountability and love. And if and anybody can do that, like together, find the dance that they did, it's can be transformational for somebody. Cause what they did was they were like, all right, you can move in with us and you don't have to pay for food. You don't have to pay us rent. You don't have to pay for anything. But if we give you money to like go out or get, get some food or whatever on your own, like you have to bring us a receipt. You have to like make your bed, you have to take care of yourself. You have to have a job. You have to work out. Like, and if you don't do any of those things, like you're out. Wow. So they gave me the love of being like, all right, we'll give you a nice little landing pad here Mm. because we know you need some help. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we're not going to let you walk all over us, which I had done in the past because I had lived with them before in my teenage years. And I kind of walked all over them and abused that privilege. Yeah. And as far as my friends, I mean, it was tough because I think one of the most addicting things is people. It's true. You know, and it, it, it often gets overlooked that, you know, sometimes... Like we stay in relationships, we stay in friendships because of past memories mm. or because we're like, man, like I've known this person for 10 years or am I going to find anybody that's better? Or what are they going to say about me if I start, stop spending time with them? Or like, am I going, is it is it me or is it them? Like maybe not yeah. being too judgmental or go you know, yeah. on and on with these examples, right? But I, again, I had begun to establish this identity about what I wanted. I had started to find new things I was passionate about. Like health and fitness, working on myself, yeah. um, you know, spending more time with my grandparents. Where I would go around my friends because, again, they weren't inherently bad people; they were just not making the decisions that were yeah. aligned with my future. And one right. of the things I I say now is surround yourself with people who have common futures and not common pasts. Ooh, right? Yeah, because it's good. it's it's easy to yeah. stay in the same relationships, the same friendships, because of like where you've been with people. Yeah. But why not like, stay in relationships and friendships because of where you're going with Ooh. those people? And those people who were in your past can come with you. That's right. But they have a choice to do that. Yeah. And it's not always on you to pull them along. Like, they have to have mm. like autonomy in that as well. Yep. And so the more I became obsessed with health and fitness and other things and spent time with them, it beca- became like an awkward first date. Where there was like nothing to talk about, yep. like I was like focused on like how I was gonna get protein in my next meal, and they yeah. were like talking about like pot, and I was yeah. like, I have no interest in that Yeah, anymore. So just kind of fizzled out. Fizzled out, and yeah. I did something that I struggled with, and a lot of people struggle with, and I spent time alone,
1: mm.
0: and I think you feel way um, you feel way more alone spending time with the wrong people than you ever will like intentionally spending time by yourself. Amen to that. And I spent time with my grandparents like on the weekends and I would watch like Food Network with them and dancing with the stars and I like t- helped teach myself how to cook by watching the Food Network Ugh. and watching what my grandmother did. And I just developed this this relationship with them that um has been life changing and then also I got comfortable being alone and just knowing that I didn't have to go out all the time. I didn't have to be around yeah. other people to fill myself up. Right. And just because I spent time with myself didn't make me a loser. Yep. I mean, think about it. That's why so many people like stay in relationships they shouldn't be in because they feel that if they're not in a relationship that there's something wrong with them. Right. And in reality, like there's going to be something that's going to be way more like wrong in your life if you end up staying in the relationship for the wrong reasons. That's right. Right. Yeah. And I just developed. This idea that instead of quantity, because I focused on quantity a lot with my relationships, because Mm -hmm. selling drugs becomes like an addiction, yeah, where you feel wanted, you feel needed, you feel like love, yeah, that validation
1: of like who you hooking up, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: You got your my phone was like blowing up all the time, so now I was like, all right, I just want to focus on quality, and I just slowly over time, as I move towards my future, people started showing up who were aligned with that, people who um, were just focused on bettering themselves, people who were in the health and fitness space. People who are looking to make a difference in the world, they just started kind of showing up over time. and, And then that's kind of how I built my new crew. Beautiful. What's your vision and mission now? My vision and mission now, it's really, there's a couple things. One, it's to help people use adversity to their advantage. Because like I said at the beginning, like I use adversity to my complete disadvantage. I don't think adversity is what breaks us, right? It's not like when somebody gets divorced that's not necessarily what breaks them. It's like when they go and they drink like a bottle of vodka every day for the 5 years afterwards, that's yep. when that breaks them. Their life falls apart. They might right. lose a job, they might, you know, have more relationships fall apart, their health might fall apart. Like all these things happen not because of necessarily the divorce. Obviously the divorce is traumatic, but because of how they dealt with it. Same with like losing a job. You know, same with, um, you know, having like your finances impacted, yep. you know, same, I could just fill in the blank with different things of adversity, different like types of adversity that come up in people's lives. It's all on how you respond to it. And I just want to empower people that just because you're going through something that's challenging doesn't mean that it's going to identify you for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you have to stay in that same state forever. Mm-hmm. You could stay there. And I think it's healthy to acknowledge that what you're going through is painful, right? But you also have to get yourself like a, above the weeds a little bit and say, all right, like I acknowledge this is painful. Mm. Like who do I want to be in six months? So I want to yeah. be the person that was so thankful that I, you know, got therapy. I was so thankful that I established a good meditation routine. I was, you know, developed some new friendships yeah. or whatever to where now you're growing as a result of that. Or do you want to be the person six months down the road? It's like, gosh, like, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, what have I done? So that's one part of it. And then just to to help p- establish the power of people with with um, with the three wor- three words that I live by, and that's faith, family, and fitness. Like faith in God for me, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, like faith in your life, like faith that I'm going to do great things. Faith that I believe in others to do great mm-hmm. things. Right. Believing in the unseen. I think when people hear the word faith, they get like. They get kind of timid about it yeah. because faith and religion oftentimes go hand in hand and they get yeah. talked about interchangeably. But to me, it's like faith is believing in the unseen. Absolutely. And my my best definition of having faith is like you just imagine yourself in this dark tunnel and you have no idea where your life is going. You have no idea where it's headed. But fear keeps you there yeah. because you're afraid to take a step forward fear keeps you there because you take a side step and you're like man like i'm just like, struggling to move like i'm just going to like right. move my feet a little bit or you go backwards and you end up going back to comfort same relationships um same destructive patterns same old habits right faith on the other hand is you just take one step forward and even though you're in that dark tunnel and you can't see light at all you have no idea when it's coming you have no idea how you have you have no idea where but you just know if you keep walking forward and you have your head up and your head held high that eventually You'll see the lights. So that's Amen. faith. Family is surrounding yourself with people who bring the best out in you. Surrounding yourself with people who love, support, and challenge you unconditionally. Mm. Like, not somebody who just pats you on the back all right. the time. Like, I want someone who's going to check me when I'm acting like an asshole. Same. I want someone to be like, dude, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't have talked to that person that way, you should apologize or whatever. Like, hold me accountable so I can grow, right? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be blood. I was
1: going to say like chosen family. I feel like so many people in my life, like mentors I've had, they're not the ones that are like, you're the best, (laughs) you know, they're like, you're doing good, but you can do a little better. Or, you know, who do you think you, I literally every level of my life have had people check me and I'm so grateful. And, you know, I think a lot of people are listening and they're like, well, my
0: family isn't supportive. You can choose your family. You can choose your family. Right. And like the one thing I'll say is this is like, if you're the smartest person in the room, it's time to get into, to another room. That's right. And that's it, what I
1: say. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad we're in newlands together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think, cause I think that's hard for people. I think yeah. because people haven't established their own identity they yeah. feel insecure. They haven't found ways to really fill themselves up. Mm-hmm. They fill themselves up. By the validation of others and external like, validation, yeah. and and knowing that they think "quote unquote" that they're smarter, or they're better than people. You see that in relationships. You see people stay with people they shouldn't be with because yeah. they feel like they have this sense of control or power because you know it's it's comfortable. Yeah, and they've outgrown that person, but they're like, yeah, I, I at least can. I know, I, I know, I have this person like at mm-hmm. my side all the time. So mm-hmm. what's the point of like challenging myself? to that next level. So like, you know, family, like I said, has doesn't have to be blood. I mean, ideally, yeah, yeah you want to be close to your family, but things happen, That's right? Right. And then fitness, it's like, well, what are you doing to keep yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and of course, physically fit. And I believe if you can do those three things, mm. I truly believe you'll live a more positive, purposeful and passionate life.
1: Beautiful. So good. So good. Oh, my gosh, I'm in total alignment with everything <laughs> you're saying. And all of those things have made me a better woman. You a better man, and if you live by it every single day, how do you practice? I'm just wondering, how do you practice your faith?
0: It's a challenge. Yeah, you know, it's it's a hard battle, especially like the last few years where yeah. a lot of my income and in the tra- on the training side of things was was tested. Yeah, and one of the things I always had to remember was somebody when I first became a Christian gave me one of the best pieces of advice. He was like, you know, Doug, like. It's okay to sometimes not be on the field playing, like as a Christian. It's okay to just be on the sidelines sometimes, but just don't ever retire. Wow. And I just, I just took that and I was like, man, like that's so true. Because you know, there's in life, it's easy to be to be faithful and, and like believe when things are going great. It's that's, easy to be like, yeah, God's got my back. Hallelujah. Yeah. #Hashtag
1: blessed. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy.
0: Yeah. But when you're challenged, oh, that's the real. Like, how do you, like, take, yeah. how do you take a step and practice the pause and say, like, okay, like, does, is God real? Does he have my back? Mm. And I think for me, I just have never let go of that belief. Yeah. And I don't beat myself up on it. I give myself some grace and know that, like, there's going to be days where I'm just not feeling as yep. empowered with my relationship with God. But I just know it's always there. And it's yeah. always, like, how I always show up as the same version of myself, the mm. same person. You know, because I think is in my experience as Christians, like I think we make it too difficult, and we're always like being like, all right, like what Bible verse should I read to become a yeah. better Christian, or what yeah. book should I read? And the same person who was instrumental in my early days of being a Christian, I, I just said like, how can I be a better Christian? The like, guy kind of laughed at me, and he was just like, just don't be an asshole. Yeah, you know, just act like Jesus. And that, I was just gonna say, be like Jesus, the greatest leader of all time. Yeah, don't be a jerk. Yeah, and there there's times where my ego has gotten in the way of my faith where i think that i'm um, i'm the greatest because i'm accomplishing all these things and then yeah. like, god has a funny way of humbling you mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. when that kind of stuff yeah. happens um but yeah i mean it's a it's a journey and it's a daily battle it's a daily walk it's a daily walk but it's your foundation it's my foundation i believe you i love the the faith
1: family fitness cuz it's just a solid foundation you know, what would you say to someone who's going through massive adversity right now? Like what tip would you give them? I know that I know that I know that there's someone listening to this where their son's battling addiction, their daughter's battling addiction, maybe they're battling addiction. Maybe they have good days, bad days. Like what advice do you, like, what would you tell that person?
0: It's, it's so hard. I mean, I wish I had like this magic answer, answer, right? I'd be a a billionaire and I'd be yeah. fulfilled at the same time. Yeah. Right. I'd be so happy because I'd yeah. like, that's like my passion and I'd be right. like financially independent. I think there's a few things like could just know that you're not alone, mm. you know? And especially if you're a parent, just know you're not alone, get yeah. support, take care of yourself. Yeah. Because I think what I've seen and like a lot of the moms that I've dealt with with when their kids are battling addiction and the ones I've like kind of talked to the, the last thing they do is take care of themselves. Mm. They're so focused on trying to fix their kid, change their kid's life, do whatever they can to keep them out of the depths of despair. And what people have to realize is there's nothing you can do to fix them. Yeah. There's nothing you can do to save them. You can support them. You can love them. You can care for them. But at the end of the day, like they have to make the decision on their own and, you know, never like sacrifice your own health. Yes. at the expense um, of somebody else. I know it's hard to hear, but no, I think it's... if you, if you take care of yourself and you have your mind in a good spot and you're going to be better equipped to help that person anyway. And I just think if it's somebody who's like battling their own adversity and let's just say they're just in a tough spot, just focus on taking like one step, like mm-hmm. one small step, you know, we, we, you and I live in this personal development, self-help space that is so focused on achieving like big things yeah. and, and doing like the unimaginable. I think that's great. It is. Yeah. But people forget that in order to get to that place, it started with small steps. It, Nobody, absolutely. Everybody woke up one day and was like, yeah, I think tomorrow I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a million dollars in my yeah. account. Or I think yeah. tomorrow I'm going to change like a thousand people's lives. Yeah. It just started with one step. And one person. And one person. Yeah. And don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help, mm. you know, and just think about like, what are some things. That you can do right now to change your state? Mm. What are some things you can do right now to change your mood, to change how you feel? What are Mm -hmm. some things? It could be just going for a five minute walk. Yeah. It could be calling somebody that you trust. Yeah. It could be walking your dog. It could be just practicing the pause and just journal. It could be Mm. a variety of things. Yes. Because people are afraid of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Like one of the conversations I have a lot with some of the people that I coach is trying to get them to understand that just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean that you have to just feel comfortable right away. Right. Like sometimes you got to sit in that discomfort and gain some self-awareness, which mm-hmm. a lot of people I think lack. They do into like what's going on. Like one of the things I often say to people is that something that's worked for me for a while is like the three A's when it comes to something when i'm having going through a hard time and it's like self-awareness like what is it i'm going through yeah is it anxiety is it lack of sleep is it depression lack Uh of energy like whatever and then acceptance is the second one i think this is pretty important because i think i mean in in our world like we're taught that we're we're supposed to be perfect all the time in this self-help space it's always like make more money like be happy be grateful be positive I think that's bullshit. Yeah, because I think there's going to be days where you feel off. Oh, like, there's days absolutely. Where you feel like crap, and you just have to accept roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, for real. This is just part yeah. of life. Yeah. And you acknowledge that it's normal and it's okay, mm-hmm. and then so that's like the acceptance piece. Because a lot of times people fall down, fall down the shame cycle. Yeah, they do. Like, why am I feeling this way? Oh, Maybe I've totally right? been there. Yeah. And then the third is like kind of like what I touched on like a f- few minutes ago, which is the action piece. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some things I can do now? that are healthy and going to make me feel better mm. that are aligned with my highest self. Now, again, yeah. sometimes you might need to sit there and just deal yes. with it and just think about like what it is you're going through. If you're somebody that always is looking to escape. Yeah. But sometimes like that person whose habit is to just grab, grab a bottle of wine, drink a glass of wine. Maybe that person instead of doing that mm. can just go take a walk and say, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk for five, 10 minutes. And then when I come back, I'll make a decision of what am going to do? I'm going to do next. So I'm going to take this walk. Yes. First. And I think what tends to happen, Emily, is this, is they not only get like the physiological benefits from like movement, but they come back. I think people come back in sometimes and they're like, wow, like I'm proud of myself that I didn't just impulsively react and they feel so much better afterwards.
1: Oh my gosh. Amen. When I was battling like food issues, that's what I did. Really? It was like, I had to change my state. I had to go on a walk. I had to. And it was like, it just, it set me on a better path. And then I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I was going to do that. You know, but, but you, you have to get out of it. And I always tell people like step by step, moment by moment, and then you're just going to, you're just beco- going to become a new when you do that after a while. But it's the hardest when you're in the thick of it. Cause you're like, you so badly want to just give into this. Well, yeah, and you, you think know? about
0: like a lot of times with people, especially like in the recovery world, it's a marathon. Yeah, like, you know, like obviously the goal is when you stop using drugs to not do it again. I mean, that's yeah. the goal. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people don't go that route, you right. know, which is which is okay as long as you're on continuing on that path of recovery and trying to get yourself right. But my point is this: if if you were to start, if you were if you had trained for a marathon and you were going to start and you go out and you sprint as hard as you can the first mile, what's going to happen? You're going to fatigue. You might get yeah. some cramps. You might slow down you might even stop because you're like, man, like I got, I got, I got, I, I went too quick out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I used up all my energy. Yeah. Like I'm cramping. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Right. And that, that happens a lot with life when people try to like bite off more than they can they can chew and they try to do too much at once. That's why I say just like focus on the small steps, get those easy wins, build your self confidence. Like that's what I did when I was in jail. If you had said to me, Doug, like, all right, my stomach was like, yeah, Doug, we're gonna do 50 pushups today. I would have been like, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going back in my cell and I'm going to sleep.
1: Right. You wouldn't right. have gotten a win and the win
0: breeds the confidence. Right. Cause I mean, I think confidence is built not just by like achieving these small wins. I think self-confidence is built by like climbing the mountain of life. That's right. And continuing to get back up mm-hmm. each time you fall. It's mm-hmm. not built at the top. Yeah. You yeah. feel confident at the top, but it's built on the way up. It's uh, yes. And I think confidence is built you know, differently for each person. Like what might what might scare me might be different from what scares you. Like yeah. doing a single pushup when I was in jail scared the heck out of me. Cause I, I had obviously had never been able to do a set of pushups before. So that was so intimidating to me and it's all relative based on what we're going yeah. through. So I just yeah. focused on some easy wins, like yeah. take some small steps if you're that person who's listening, I love it. If you're struggling to find yourself yeah. right now. So
1: good. Oh, this has been amazing. Thank you for opening up. You really are incredible. Where can people find you?
0: So the best place to find me is at Doug Bobst on Instagram is where I'm most active on social spell media. Spell it for spell it. So it's at D O U G B O P S T on Instagram, TikTok. Twitter. Uh, my podcast is called The Adversity Advantage. My website is dougbopes.com where you can learn more about my journey there. Some other stuff that I've done um, as well as um, find my books. My books are all on Amazon. and Amazing. Yeah.
1: Okay. We'll link all that in the notes below. Thank you for being here.
0: Thanks for having me.